Welcome to Trail Manners, the podcast so dedicated to mountain trails and running that they broadcast out of a 78 Volkswagen bus in the mountains. Who does that? Eric and Joel are your hosts and will bring you the trail life as you may have not heard it before. You hear about everything from gear reviews, nutrition to keep you upright and moving forward, and they'll even bring guests into the bus for conversations that you won't hear anywhere else. It's time for some running adventures on a higher elevation. The old 78 Volkswagen bus is fired up and headed to the mountains. Here are your hosts for Trail Manners, proudly representing the 801 with their passion and love for the trails, Eric Manning and Joel Hatch. Welcome to the Trail Manners Podcast, episode number 94. Today, Joel Hatch will be speaking on the phone with Gabe Joyce, fourth place finisher at this year's Hard Rock 100. So if this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The Trail Manners Podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at trailmanners.com. Come back often, and please feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Trail Manners. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get after it. All right, so welcome to the Trail Manners Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Hatch, along with Eric Manning. This week on episode 91, we have the inventor of trail running, the fourth place finisher at the 2017 Hard Rock 100, Gabe Joyce. Gabe, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. And no problem. So last time we talked um, on the show was in episode 72 at the Park City Run Company. And at that time, you had... Um, come to town to run Rufa, so that's running up for air, if anybody doesn't know what that is, uh, in preparation for, for Hard Rock. Isn't that correct? That's right. Yeah. And at that time, you had said that, oh, my gosh, I got into Hard Rock, and you were just, like, silly, giddy, excited, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so... No, obviously, leading up to the race, um, you had mentioned that you had some trepidation a little bit just because of your training schedule was not going to allow for, say, you know, big long training runs or, you know, just the fact that you live in Lander and it was so stinking snowy, you weren't able to get up high. So, how were you able to, you know, get in the not only the volume, but also um the climbing as well so how would your spring training look like uh it was tricky you know um in some ways rufa was sort of like the kickoff for my spring training and so that was a, a great start i think i got something like a lot of was like eighteen thousand feet of climbing in 12 hours or something like that and that was that um, rufa put the hurt on, yeah that rufa yeah so that put the hurt on my quads pretty good um kind of set the tone for the spring um my training was pretty good all through like February um, and through um, part of March. Um, I did a lot of a lot of hill repeats and finding kind of the steepest stuff I could find in uh, Sinks Canyon, which is kind of our, our closest mountain access we have here in Lander. Uh, and so I would just find some uh, stinking steep hills and just hike up and down those things a lot to try to get as much vert as I could in each run. So tell me, uh, so tell me a little so bit about that. So, Gabe, tell me a little bit about that. So, yeah, sure. So, I know uh, from experience from uh, doing your your Sinks Canyon race that Sinks Canyon is really accessible to Lander. It's about ten yeah. miles to what southwest of Lander, roughly. Yeah, roughly, and yep. 
what's what's winter training like there in sinks does it get a lot of uh foot traffic um no not a lot um i'd I'd get a lot of first tracks for sure um it's really it's really hit or miss so like so many other canyons you know we have like a sunny side and a shady side right and um the shady side like holds snow like forever um and so that always had like deep snowpack on it and sometimes I could get pretty lucky there. The the fat biking crowd is getting pretty into things over there, and they track out the trails pretty nicely. Not a lot of trail, but yeah. then I could run on top of what they did, and that was that was good. Um, the sunny side of the canyon it melts out pretty freaky fast in the winter. Does it? Um, and so if there had like just been a big dump, um, it would it'd be it's challenging over there. But you can give it like few days after snowfall and you can usually find like some small sections of um you know dirt mixed in with a little bit of packed snow stuff that you can stay on top of and so it doesn't give you um a lot of terrain to cover but it's it's good terrain for hard rock training if you don't mind um going up the same hill like over and over and over again <laughs> right that sounds good. Now, also, you were the coach for the soccer team at the high school, right? Yeah, that's when things got really tricky. Um, and that started, oh, I was in March or April or something like that. Some, I think it was early March. Um, soccer started. Yeah, I coached the high school girls soccer team, um, which was super fun, um, but it definitely made training challenging. Um, you know, we had practice every day after school and I wouldn't get home until, I don't know, almost six o'clock, you know, so from seven thirty to six I was out doing work stuff. Right. Um and so so that was challenging and a lot of our, our road trips for that for games would be like ridiculously long drives. Like it wouldn't we would go in and drive to like Cody on oh. just like a, a Tuesday night or we'd go drive down to some tiny town in southeast Wyoming maybe like a five-hour drive for one game uh, yeah I think so that, that's the drawback of being the head coach for the Lander soccer team yeah. you guys are kind of like the middle of the state but you still yep. go like I said three or four hours it's not like living in Salt Lake where you can just go 10 minutes down the road to the next high school yeah yeah I wish we had that um so that was that was a real time suck. So I did a lot of running at like 5 a.m. Right. Which was cold. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's just like right on like snowpack roads. Nothing glamorous about it at all. No. Um, no. <laughs> that's grinding it out for sure. Um, and then, anyway, yeah, we had a lot of like really cold inversions all winter too. That was kind of trying to block that out of my memory. Um, and then I would do a lot of like, eight o'clock at night runs where, you know, I'd, I'd, we'd have dinner as a family and, um, put the kid, my two kids to bed and, and then off I'd go, I'd run for a couple hours. Right. Um, now did, before going to bed. did, was Ty Drain still your, still your coach at that time? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so did you guys yeah, yeah. kind of, you know, do your best to work through not only the, the weather issue, but then your, your travel schedule with the soccer team? Yeah. Yeah. So he was, I mean, really he was just the ideal coach to work with because he he's been there done that with just about everything i was doing you know he's right he's dealt with the weather he's coached he teaches like i do and so he really knew um exactly what i was trying to juggle and he's done hard rock 
Yeah, and he's done Hard Rock a few times. Right. Um, while being a coach, um, like a high school um, track coach. So he sort of helped me thread the needle very nicely where I feel like, you know, it was it was hard for sure. Like my, my time was absolutely maxed out, but, but I didn't. And, you know, my wife and kids still love me, I think. And, um, <laughs> I, I got it done. So <laughs> that's right. You did. So were you able to do any spring races besides, I mean, Rufa really wasn't a spring race. That was still kind of considered winter. Yeah. But during you know, that, I got, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. I got so lucky and I got to do quad rock 50. Oh, you did. Uh, I got so lucky with that. So when I originally looked at my spring calendar, there was I just saw there's no way I was ever going to fit a race in, and I was I had accepted that that was fine. And then I was still this is my, my first year coaching soccer, and I and I didn't quite understand how like the playoffs and stuff works. But I found out halfway through this. No, actually, no, like pretty early on in the season, I guess it was. I found out that if we won our conference, we got to skip the regional qualifying tournament for state. Oh. Uh, and then I looked at what weekend that was, and it was the same weekend as Quad Rock. Um, and so I kind of licked my chops there, and I pushed those ladies pretty hard to, to, to win our conference so that <laughs> I could have that weekend off and go to Quad Rock. And they got it done. They went undefeated in conference. Did they um, really? That's awesome. They, they did, yeah. They did. I don't know if they knew I had my ulterior motives, but um, <laughs> <laughs> so... It, yeah, Quad Rock was sort of, it was good. You know, it was not uh, the ideal race. You know, I drove down to Fort Collins, which is like a four-hour drive on on a Friday night and slept in the tent with my kids in somebody's backyard and <laughs> got up and, and you know, did the race. And so it was not, um, it, was, it was a fine race. It was okay. But, you know, I was not like in, you know, tip-top shape or anything like that for it. Um, but it was just nice to be able to, have that little bit of competitiveness and run 50 miles with some other folks and it was good so how'd you end up doing in that race were you on the podium yeah i took third there Uh oh so it was that was pretty nice to be able to have like a you know a, a subpar racing situation and still pull off a pretty decent result did they run that course around that horse uh is that that horse tooth yeah yeah around horse Reservoir in uh, what is it? There's a state park there, something Lowry State yeah, Park or something like that. I did a race like that years ago. Boy, they they got a lot of climbing, like a lot of short, steep stuff. Yeah, short, right there. Steep, that's kind of what it, it was just up and down, short, steep. Besides, like the opening and the finishing section, take you to this like valley. Right. Um, but and it was really hot there. Like it felt like August. Really, um, you know, we had we didn't have heat like that for like another month and a half after quad rock but it was i mean it was like in the mid 80s there during the race and oh yeah you were used to like my 16 yeah oh. i was used to running like way cooler than that so i sort of felt like my brain was melting um <laughs> during the second half of the run like it definitely affected me the first half was great cruising the second half was like whoa I'm right hot. um but i kept it together though and, and finished and so that was good and then you guys, you know, you had a soccer game after that. Did your girls, how'd they do in the state tournament then? Um, they did pretty good. They ended up taking fourth in the state. Wow, that's awesome. Awesome. Especially considering, like, the year before that, I think they were just about, like, last in the state, like 12th or something like that. Whoa. So they they came a long way. So I was, I was really, really happy for them. Yeah, so are you going to do that again next year? I believe so, yep. Oh, that, that'll be good. I'd sort of like to... Build on that success, huh? 
yeah, I'd like to commit to it to at least a few years if I'm going to do it. Um, and so I, I sort of I got roped into it because there was a group of girls that I had coached when they were all like 10 and 11 and 12 years old. I coached like a youth co-ed team in Lander. Oh yeah. And uh, and now and now those girls are on my high school team, and they pretty much like bagged me a coach, and I was. I was kind of a sucker for them because I'd already put in years of work into them back when they were youngsters. Yeah. So I'll at least I'll at least see those girls through high school. Oh, um, that's I've known them for a long time. That's that's really cool. That I mean that that says a lot. I mean to commit to them for three or four years, they'll they'll get a lot out of that. Yeah, I hope so. You know, it, it definitely definitely helps to have a little consistency there for a while. Um, so when a, you were like that. So when you were doing um. You're training with the girls. Um, did you jump into any conditioning stuff? Did you and Coach Ty talk about doing any of that? No, I did. I played soccer with them a lot, which I think was actually really great. You know, I'd get like I'd get my agility work in, and I would get right. sort of I don't know, like kind of I guess stretched out, and um, I do that. And I, and I actually think playing a little bit of soccer it does a lot to help keep me injury free. Um, you know, it keeps me moving laterally, it keeps the ankle strong, um, keeps your balance. Um, good. So not that I like, I'm not going to play with them a lot, but you know, every day I do a little, little bit of something with the team. Yeah. Um, and so as much as it was a time suck, I think it was also just kind of nice to, to be able to have a little extra movement around like that too. But I don't think, I don't think it hurt me. Right. So, no, I think you were hit it on the head. It definitely probably helped more than anything else. Like you said, instead of just moving in this very linear plane, you know, soccer happens in all directions. So that yep. definitely reduces on the overuse injuries for sure. So, you know, yeah. you guys had a super big winter like we did here in the Wasatch where it was, it was cold. It was snowy, um, getting outside. Um, you just had to do it. So were you solely hiking and running or were you doing other things in the winter too like um cross-country skiing skate skiing yeah i do a decent bit of skate skiing okay um i've really kind of discovered that in this last few years and um i love it um uh, we have like you know we have a little uh i guess like local nordic center that i can ski at but um my favorite is that we have what's called the Continental Divide Snowmobile Trail in Wyoming, which is like hundreds of miles of like dirt roads that they groom wow. for snowmobiles. Right. And so if I get the conditions right, I can go with skate ski on that stuff. It's a little rough. It's not like being at Soldier Hollow or something. Right. Um, but I can go and like, I can skate ski like 40 miles on a Saturday in the wilderness. Um, it's amazing. Um, so I kind of like that more than, uh, you know, AT skiing or anything like that. I I find it's just kind of faster and more fun and a little bit of a better workout anyway. So Less risky. Uh, yeah, less risky too. Yeah, I get kind of scared of avalanches. Yeah, um, I think that's – I think so yeah. we all should be a little scared of those things. But I think that's another thing that really helps, you know, build that winter base and reduce uh, those overuse entries is – being in a different plane because skate skiing, you know, you're yep. constantly pushing off to the side. Um, are you a V1 or a V2 guy? I I try to mix it up. Yeah. And and up until like a year or two ago, if you'd asked me that, I'd been like, I don't even know what you mean. <laughs> I, have a, I have a friend that I have a friend here that uh, skied at Bozeman in college, and she's giving me some lessons and and kind of uh, like hopefully my technique isn't like super atrocious. I don't know. Uh. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, you got to do it a bunch, right? What's that? So you have to do it a bunch to get that technique down, or you just feel like you're out there floundering, huh? You do, and I try really hard to like picture a, a graceful, like Olympian I've seen on TV, and I have this mental image of what I look like, and I imagine that's probably not accurate. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> um, you know, I do my best with it. I have fun. You know, it's not like super serious. Um, and it's uh, a great way to, when it's just too snowy to, to really get meaningful running in, it's just fun. Right. So good training. Good. So after after the quad rock, um, and after you girls came in fourth place in the state soccer tournament, what was your training like then? Because then you're, you're kind of like what, six, seven weeks, almost eight weeks away from the race. Yeah. yeah. I kicked my butt then. Um, it was a lot. Um, I was, you know, in the mountains basically every day going up and down steep stuff, lots of, lots of hiking too. I was getting used to using my pole more. I'm not used to, I don't typically run with trucking poles, right. um, but certainly they're very, very helpful for hard rock. Um, so I, I was doing a lot, a lot of verts. Um, I think I had one week where I got like the 33,000 feet of climbing, just like hard rock has. So, oh. um, yeah, it was good. Um, I tried hard to kind of get up high too, but it was pretty tough. I mean, it was still it was still fall and winter. You know, it was we were still getting snow in the mountains in June too. Right. So I did a lot of um, running and hiking on snow some days, which is okay. Um, yeah, it was it was a lot of that. I ended up taking one quick trip down to the Never Summer Mountains in northern Colorado. Right. Um, which is just gorgeous mountain range they are. um i had done the i did the the never summer 100k there last year and i remember there was this like alpine ridge that we ran on for a little bit and i remember looking at it as i was racing thinking like you could run this ridge like for miles and miles and i kind of tucked it in the back of my mind it's something i wanted to come back and do someday was go and like go around this ridge longer than we did in the race um so i went down and uh ran that ridge and it's just like a huge out and back because it was like mostly above 12,000 feet with a hit like a 13,000 foot peak as part of it and stuff so was that so I went down there Gabe was that and, on an established uh, trail or, or was that just all kind of off off trail scramble that's mostly off trail okay it was just uh, hiking and running up and down uh, lots of beautiful alpine meadows and the mountains in Colorado was great. I mean, the mountains there, they look a little bit like the San Juan. It's like a similar sort of feel with the, right. lots of grassy trade. So it was great. That was a, that was a important weekend, I think, um, to go and do that. So how close, fun. how close was that to hard rock? Uh, boy, was that? maybe that was like a month out, something like that. Okay. So then after that, so you got four weeks until, race day were you able to then go down at all to have a look at the course no i didn't i really wanted to and i i almost pulled it off a couple times this spring we almost went by there uh like over spring break and then i almost went down in june but like the reality is it's just a long drive yeah. um and i just couldn't you know i thought i was going to pull the trigger on it a couple times but it just wouldn't work out for for whatever reason um and so I never did go down there, which was 
uh, I don't know, not too big of a deal to me. Like, I, I've been in the San Juans before. I know um, what those mountains are kind of all about. Um, I'd done the Telluride Mountain Run okay. several years back, and I used to live in that area for a very brief period. So that was okay. It was kind of fun having the course be a surprise. I, I kind of like that sometimes in races because then it's just like, you know, every ridge you're climbing is just exciting because you want to see what's over the other side. Um, so that was fun. It was it felt like a, an adventure as much as it did a race. Right. So you race day rolls around. You get in the town. Did you get in the town the week of the race, the the day before the race? Yeah, it was like two days before or something like that. Okay. So what was town like? Um, it was kind of, it was kind of crazy there in Silverton. I mean, there was like runners everywhere and, uh, uh, I'd never, I'd never been to Silverton when it was like that. I just, it was so busy. Um, but there was like people just going on runs all over the place and, you know, you could be like driving down the main drag in Silverton and like Killian ran across the street in front of them. So we're like, well, it's not <laughs> Killian, you know? <laughs> right. Um, so it was, I mean, it was just. It was a fun scene, you know, a lot of uh, interesting people, a lot of cool people, all just piled in this one little goofy mountain town in the San Juan. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That would be fun to, to experience that and just how all yeah, it was great. Them superstar runners just kind of crossing the road. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about the morning of the race. Were, were you like super nervous? Were you excited? Were you just like game face? Let's get this on. I, I was uh, I was super excited. Um, I I had just slept in my truck pretty close to the start and and like woke up nice and early and chowed a bunch of waffles and I was just like I was just kind of anxious for the thing to get started. I was you know I've been uh I've been looking forward to that for a long long time and um, I surprisingly I wasn't too nervous and I wasn't like I've, I've heard a lot of people talk about just being scared out of their minds starting the thing on the starting line of hard rock and um i wasn't really scared at all i was just excited and happy to be there and uh kind of ready to go um which well, is you know a great mental place to be in before something like that yeah what was your game plan for the race uh definitely just to, to be super duper conservative um uh, I I was I talked to Scott Jaime once out in the course and I joked to him that I was like I the last thing I wanted to be the new guy who goes and like lays on a cot and tell you right for three hours. Um, I was, I was just want to make sure I absolutely avoided that situation. So I was pretty mellow. Um, I mean, really uh, up until about mile eighty, I just had kind of a nice run in the mountains and never pushed it too hard. Um, Ty gave me pretty specific instructions. No, no, uh, no racing until I got to Oscars, which is the, the big climb out of Telluride, and it's about mile eighty. And so I was pretty tempted a couple times, like kind of chase people down and right. and push it a little bit. But then I just I kind of always resisted and was like, no, just you got a long way to go. Just chill, just cruise. Patience, patience, patience. Right. Um, and uh, enjoyed the day. So what? So let's talk a little bit about the like sections of the race. Tell me a little bit about the sure. first, like, I don't know, 28, 30 miles. So the first, that first big chunk, the Sherman aid station, how was that? Uh, Did you get caught in any way? Was not, not there yet. The, the weather came a little bit later. It was just, it was dreamy. Um, you know, it was a, it was a beautiful day with 
kind of low-hanging gray clouds that made the grass look ridiculously green and, um, you know, started on a nice, nice, easy pace. And um, I just had a ton of fun, uh, particularly in that first 30-ish miles or whatever it was. It was just kind of going up to some beautiful ridge and back down into a basin and back up again. And, <laughs> like, the wildflowers were so thick, I was almost tripping over them. And yeah. um, I, I actually got slightly off course a time or two because with the way the, the hard rock course markers are, they're on these, like, little, I don't know, almost looks like someone straightened out an old clothes hanger or something like that. But oh, they're, yeah. like, they're, like, knee-high wire things that have a little, like, white and red flag on them and then, like, a piece of little orange ribbon if you're lucky. Right. And they put them in, like, these flowers – and they're like the same height as the flowers and the same color as the flowers and ah. these trails are pretty faint and I would like I would get to these meadows and I'd look around and I go, Where the heck do I go? I can't I can't even see um a course marker anywhere because they're blending in. Um so that was like very minorly stressful a time or two. Right. Um, so as a hard rock rookie, how did you manage that? You'd not not been on the course before. You didn't go down and do the pre-course. Um, a, lot, a lot of people go down and mar- help mark the course, get to know the course. Yeah. So did you find did you find it was hard to follow the course? It it a little bit. Um, I mean, minus the wild. You know, yeah, um, it wasn't too bad. You know, if you keep your if you run with your heads up, you know, it uh, it was fairly easy to follow. Um, any of the little missed sections of the trail I had, you know, I was I was not off trail for very long, and then I would kind of, you know, you'd kind of get the feeling pretty quick of like, hey, I should have seen a flag for the kind of train I'm in, and you know, start scanning about and uh, and be able to pick it out. So, um, like if if you're the kind of runner who runs ten at your feet a lot, like you'll get lost there for sure. Um, but I, you know, my head was kind of up enjoying the scenery most of the time anyway, so it was pretty easy for the most part to keep gotcha. an eye on things and i've um i've missed turns once or twice in a race before in the past and it cost me dearly and so i'm kind of hypersensitive to that to always uh keep an eye on the trail now sort of don't want to make that same mistake twice right so you get into that sherman aid station which is mile 28 do you remember what place you were at at that time I don't even know exactly what place I was in. I was I was inside the top ten by maybe a spot or two. Right. Um, but I don't know. I I tried not to even pay attention to that. It got spread out pretty quick, actually. The first climb was pretty um, clustered, but after the very first aid station at Cunningham at like mile nine point three or whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, all of a sudden like instantly it got spread out. And so for that whole first section, there's um Sherman there at 28 um I could see sometimes Scott Heine pretty far ahead of me right um and and I knew Adam Campbell was somewhere behind me um and I kept on just kind of creeping closer and closer to Scott and I passed him shortly after Cataract Lake on the way down to Sherman mm-hmm. um and then um I didn't pass anyone for quite a while after that um I didn't even see anybody until like engineer pass wow. so i did a lot of running by myself during the day like it was yeah you did um yeah it was sort of like it's almost had a slightly training run type, type feel because i was just kind of out in the mountains just running and enjoying and um you just i purposely didn't bring my phone with me to take pictures because i knew that it would have been a problem for me um practice <laughs> i would have i would have been whipping it out all the time so 
Yeah, it kind of had a, almost like a training run kind of feel. And that that may have taken some pressure off of trying to be like ultra fast, right? You're just out yeah. having fun, enjoying the, the day. Um, so what point did you run into the weather? Did you run into any of the weather? Because we talked to some people I that did. ran into some awful weather. Yeah, it was pretty It was pretty awful. Um, so shortly, like before, as I'd been approaching Sherman, like the thunder was just like rumbling and echoing everywhere. It was pretty ominous. And um, it was pretty obvious where really it hit at some point. And then shortly after I left Sherman and I was running to up the road to Burroughs Park, the next aid station, and that's the last one before you go up Handy's Peak, uh, it started to rain really hard. Yeah. Uh, rain and hail and just it came down and there was, you know, just almost a constant thunder. Lightning was striking every ridge and peak around me. You know, I was at a nice low spot on the road, so that wasn't really scary. But yeah. I, was, I was thinking about those leaders who were ahead of me and I imagine they were probably on Handy's Peak and I was like, oh man, huh. that I'm not where they are. Um, I mean, there was like, there, it was, I mean, there was just, like, streams of water and hail coming down the road. There was so much. And I actually saw a mudslide come down on the mountain, uh, like, right towards me for a little bit. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I've never actually seen a mudslide happening. Um, but it was, yeah, I made this most bizarre sound. It was this, this sloshing, crunching sound. And I was like, that's not rain. What is that? And, um, just started looking around and looked up. And I was like, whoa. And, like, you could see this whole, like, scree field just kind of, like, lurping down an old avalanche chute huh. um and it wasn't moving too fast thankfully right uh, it scared me pretty good at first when i saw it coming right towards me i was like whoa but um so i, I actually even just stopped and watched that thing for a couple minutes so i was like what i've always wanted to see a landslide happen so i'm not I'm not gonna blow my opportunity to watch it so i just stood there uh. um for not too long just for a minute or two just to check it out right um that's cool, cool. So and were you, then, as I, were you um, prepared for the the weather? Did you have like a legit rain jacket, or did you have a, like? Yeah, I had a legit rain jacket. Right. Yep. Um, which was great because if you like, if you were just out there like a Houdini or something, you yeah, been, uh, you'd have been a wet mess. You've been hosed. Um, <laughs> yeah, you you would have been hosed for sure. <laughs> uh, and the the rain lightened up, and as I was going up towards Handy's, it was it was very light. Um, and the lightning became much more, uh, there's a lot more time between strikes. Right. But uh, I, as I was going up this basin, I forget what it's called, whatever the basin is, that Handy's Peak is uh, at the kind of the head of, um, and, you know, lightning would just kind of strike the ridges in different spots and sometimes actually strike Handy's Peak. And wow. There started to be like, you know, like five, ten minutes between strikes. And so I was kind of like, all right, I'll just kind of keep going. And there hadn't been any in a while, so I decided to just kind of keep going up the peak and, I was up at like um kind of like for the summit ridge. I think it was around thirteen thousand feet, and just this horrible crack of lightning just hit the top of Handy as I was standing there, and I was like, "Crap! What do I do now?" Um, and so I kind of thought about going back down, which just was totally unacceptable. And then I thought about staying put at thirteen thousand, which felt really stupid. Right. So then I then I just went for it and went over the top of that thing as fast as I could, um, which was hard, of course. Well, yeah. Um, I'd actually never climbed. I'd never climbed a 14er before. So my, my first 14er was like a VO2 max workout or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd been really I'd been really careful with my heart rate all day and all the climbs, kind of keeping it in check, you know, going as slow as I had to go. But for that 
thousand feet or whatever it was, some of the handies. Um, I I definitely kind of just went for it. Um, didn't even stop at the top, just ran right off. I, I've had a couple close calls with lightning before, and I wanted nothing to do with that again. Um, and then ran right down the other side of the American Basin. And then um, there was a little more drizzle from there, but otherwise that was that was the ugly weather of the day. Right. Um, and it wasn't, I mean, I don't know. I kind of like bad weather. Um, I think it's kind of exciting. I almost went into meteorology actually when I was in college. Really? So I kind of, yeah, I kind of nerd out on that stuff. And so like to be out there in the hail and lightning, I think it's interesting and fun. Um, That's so, right on. So you yeah. get, you get over handies, and, you know, without getting singed. And then, you know, you're making your way over to um, basically the halfway point, which is Ore this year. Yeah. Right? So what was yeah. that like coming into that? Because at that point, you know, I was following along and I was, you know, I didn't know if you could feel it, but I was cheering you on from the Wasatch front. And, oh, I felt it. Oh, because I mean, at, at times, especially when you, you, because you guys had those spot trackers on, which was so cool. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure they're working fairly accurate most of the time. And you could see how yep. close other people were to you. And at that point, you know, you and Iker were really close to each other. And man, yep. I was cheering on harsh. Like, man, you, you just, you were so, so close to those front runners. And yeah, I, I hope you felt that love and uh, the enthusiasm from, from my computer. I, the way down I, there. I know I did. <laughs> <laughs> so what, so you get halfway, you get to Ore. Um, what, uh -huh. happens, what happens there? You eat a whole bunch, you change your clothes, change your shoes. You got a big crew waiting yeah, for you. What's going on there? That, yeah, your it was awesome. Um, you know, I had I had my whole crew was there. My parents were there with my kids. Um, and so getting the it was kind of fun. It felt like almost like a party there. Yeah. Um, which I didn't know this, but before I got before I got to the I guess it sort of felt like a funeral there. Um, there was uh, like my buddy Chris Price was laying in a tent. Iker was laying in a tent, and like. Like, people who were coming through weren't feeling very good, apparently. Right. Um, and I came into the area feeling great. Like, I was having a great time. Um, really happy to my crew, and I was really happy to get some dry socks and shoes. They had been wet the entire day, and my feet don't typically handle that real well. So it was like, dry shoes was amazing. Uh, got some food in me, picked up a pacer. Um and I left, and that's I think that was the first time all day I knew which place I was in. And I was in, like, fifth or sixth, because I think Caroline was still ahead of me somewhere. Yeah. Um, and so that was pretty cool, like, to to sort of not even be in, like, race mode and, and just, like, pass a bunch of people there in your A was um, – that was kind of like a treat. I didn't even know it. Um, I didn't know, even know they were laying in the tent. So one of my crew was like, just, you know, there's, like, some guys laying behind you, and they don't look so good. So if you pass a lot of here, you'll be ahead of them. I was like, oh. Well, how about that? <laughs> yeah, right on. That's, so, what did you yeah, eat at so, Yore? What What was the thing that you were looking forward to the most coming in the town? You're like, oh, give me that burrito. What was it? No, I didn't. I didn't eat much at Yore, but back at Grouse, which was after Handy's, right? One of my one of my classics is I have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with a slice of extra sharp cheddar cheese in the middle. And what? Really? It's so good. You really? It's like I used to. Back when I was, I don't know, like way young, like you know, kindergarten or whatever. That's how I always liked my peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. As, a, as I grew up in Wisconsin, so it just seemed natural to put cheese on it on everything to me growing up. And so, like 
it's sort of like this like nostalgic comfort food for me and it's like salty and fatty and yummy and so i like to have like at least one of those during a hundred mile race um, so i had had that whole one grouse. did you eat a whole one ground oh yeah i ate the whole thing yeah of course oh my gosh <laughs> that's awesome so it was really good and I, and I had a real nice sharp cheddar in there so that was <laughs> that makes it even better gives um, you a little pep Totally, and maybe that's why I came into your race so happy. I was still adjusting that that creation. All the pictures I saw of you, you know, basically from your on, you were just happy as all could be, or at least you gave the persona of being really happy because you were smiling. I really was, and your body just—you could tell from you know your body language that you were enjoying yourself and you you were moving well through the mountains. Yeah, yeah, I was. You know. this might might sound kind of dumb, but I was sort of like, how could you not be having fun out here? Like it's it was like the most beautiful mountains there are to run in. You know, the San Juans are like a trail runner's paradise. Right. And um, you know, literally won the lottery to get in. And so I guess I was just running like so full of gratitude. Um, was just so happy to be there and so happy to be a part of it after years and years of waiting and and like some pretty heinous spring training and um. So I was I was legitimately happy about the whole time. Um, I had one little rough patch coming up Engineer Pass where I felt I was felt like the altitude was getting to me a little bit, and right. I just hiked a lot, but I was never like I wasn't out there moping or anything. Um, but other than that, I I really did feel feel good the whole time, and I had a great time with my pacers. I had um, a friend Amanda Taglioli pace me from. Uh, year eight at Telluride, and she won Bighorn 100 this year. Mm-hmm. Um, super strong runner herself, so like we had a great time. Um, and that's actually so after year eight, the racing got really fun because um, you know Iker was laying in a tent in year eight, but then as we we're going up Camp Bird Road, it wasn't too long before he came just flying past me. Uh, like he came out with a vengeance. I was like, whoa, I'm not chasing him. Like I was just hiking, I think. And, um, he came running past us hard. Um, and then, uh, when we got to the governor's aid station, he was just sitting there again, looking pretty cooked. Ah. And, um, so man, I passed him again, you know? Um, and then he ended up following us out of aid station and we hiked up Kroger's together and then he ditched me again, going down to Telluride. He just flew. It was pretty impressive. Um, he flew from Virginia's Pass and Kroger's Canteen down to Telluride. Right. Um, but that whole section, like, I was I was not chasing. I was just you know, having fun, hiking and running, enjoying and taking care of myself. And um, it was great. I saw that you said you had a mantra for the race. It, it was... Yeah. What was that? Patience, patience, patience. I think that really paid off for you. I think so, too. Um, you know, I've never... I've never been on my feet that long, like running. Right. Uh, and I, and I knew like I've had some, some success in like hundred K races that take like 10, 11 hours or whatever they take. Right. And like, that's a lot shorter than 27 <laughs> hours. And True. so, um, uh, um, I've kind of like rem- had to remind myself, like you can't go out at hundred K pace. This is a different, different can of worms, you know? Um, uh, be patient and take it easy and save something for the end. Right. So I would kind of remind myself all the time, just be patient, 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 patient. You'll, you'll be all right. You'll have your time to run later. 
Um, and yeah, it did work out. I had I had running legs all the way to the end, so that was. Did you? Wow. Love it. Yep. That's awesome. That that says a lot. But you know, I'm I'm glad you mentioned legs because I think a lot of people when they they see a picture of you, either they, they think okay he he's you know kind of your typical ultra runner kind of you know short and wispy but if they if they're acute observers they'll notice those tree trunks that you've got for legs and one <laughs> right. of my, one of my one of my friends was down in uh, silverton for the race and that was the first thing he commented to me he goes dude has got some quads on him <laughs> I think that you know those those big old quads certainly came into play for for this, and then that mantra really did help you to the end. Um, so you get yeah. you get the Telluride at that point, and so you're kind of sitting in what still what fourth or fifth place at that time. I think uh, Telluride, I was fifth because Iker was ahead of me in fourth at that point because we had passed Port Caroline, was still lost uh, below Virginia's. Right. Uh, it was just the saddest thing. You kind of stay on this ridge after Virginia's for a little bit, and you could like look way down into this basin, and you could see her headlamp and her pacer's headlamp, and they were just like spinning in circles, uh, and there were just these little dots way down there, and it was like, oh, they're in top where they're supposed to be, and they were they were just so far out. You know, there's nothing you couldn't even yell to them. You know, they're they're way right way off course. So that was kind of heartbreaking. Um, but so. That's that's why I got past Caroline, um, and then yeah, Iker and I were both down in um, Telluride at the same time, and he left just before me, and then I picked up my wife Jenny as a pacer, mm-hmm. and uh, she's a super strong runner too. She took third at Bighorn Fifty um, this spring. That was the other challenge of the spring, is Jenny was all like, she was all gung ho about Bighorn Fifty, and which is in mid June. Right. So her trying to train for that at the same time as me trying to train for Hard Rock, coaching soccer, it was it was crazy. But anyways, um, so Jenny and I started hiking up the Bear Creek Trail, the long climb to Oscar's Pass, like 4,500 feet up or whatever it is. Oof. Um, yeah, and uh, God, we just had a great time. Um, we just kind of hiked hard. We didn't even run much of that climb at all. It's pretty, it's like, I don't know. It, parts of it are pretty steep, parts of it are pretty mellow, but... Um, knowing that, again, it's just such a long climb, patience, patience, patience. And, um, you know, we could just see Iker in his base ahead of us for basically the whole climb. They kept on, like, looking back to see where we are, and we're just, right. like, laughing and having a good time. And, um, you know, there was an awesome, like, half-moon rise that just, like, lit up everything. Super yeah, cool. cool. Um, super cool. And then we, when we got up to um, Oscars, um, we were – I'm only a minute or two behind Iker. Right. And, um, you know, I was like, all right, finally, it's go time. You know, let's do this. And um, I absolutely love a good technical downhill. And um, that Oscars pass, is, it's very technical. But it was even more fun because some of the mountains there during the afternoon thunderstorms had gotten, like, a ton of hail. I saw one mountain that was, like, it was almost in the middle of winter. There was no. so much hail on it. Really? And, uh and so, like, all, like, the rocks and stuff were kind of filled in with hail in between, which actually, I think, probably made for faster descending. Right. And so we were able to kind of, like, slip and slide and run and jump and do all those kind of fun things running downhill. So um, just right after Oscars passed, we passed Iker and um, got down to Chapman Gulch 
the next aid station there, and um, and that was, I don't want to say I only saw Iker behind me one other time after that, um, but put a little bit of a gap on him after that. And so that was, that was, you know, that was just exciting and fun because I'd been running by Iker for hours and hours. He's a runner I have a whole lot of respect for. He's had some amazing results in the past, and um, so it was kind of fun to fun to race him. So after you passed Iker, and that, that was kind of like when Ty, your coach Ty Draney, kind of gave you that permission. Okay, it's it's guns blazing time. Yep. And you've got the perfect pacer, your wife, right? And she's fizz a fiddle for getting yep. know, prepared for the the Bighorn Fifty. So at that yep. point, were you like, all right, it, let's do it? Let's just put our head down and, and go. Or were you kind of like, okay, I'm going to race, but I'm still having the best time ever. It was uh, a little bit of both, for sure. And, and I actually picked up a new pacer at Chapman. Oh, did you? Um, okay. Friend, yep, I picked up a new pacer there. My friend, uh, Evan Raimondo, he's uh, another super strong runner. He uh, he took second in some 50 this spring in Arizona. I can't remember which one. Um, but uh, he, we've, we've done lots of adventures together and stuff and just had a good time. Um, so it was definitely, like, pushing a little bit harder but we, we certainly enjoyed ourselves. Like, we can't run in the mountains without enjoying ourselves, really, in that kind of terrain. Right. Uh, so, you know, we pushed as hard as we could up um, Grant Swamp. And I think the beast, though, that was hard. Was um, it? Yeah, you know, it's like one step up and you, like, slide down another step. It's oh. It's like climbing a mountain of quicksand, sort of how, how it felt. Um, and um, so that was hard. Um, so it was nice to have a, uh, another good, strong pacer to help me up that. Um, and so, like, I, we weren't, like, blazingly fast up any of that stuff. Um, but when we got to the top of Grant Swamp Pass, we looked back down, we could see Iker and his pacer just starting to make that climb. And it was like, ooh, they're too close. Right. Um, and so then running down to Ice Island Lake and down to um, KT, that's where we really hit it hard there. That was, like full guns blazing, like just absolutely hit that downhill really hard. It was super fun. Um, cause that's a pretty good trail for running downhill. Right. Um, so that was awesome. Made it to the KT mile 89 aid station. Um, shortly after the sun was just coming up. And so from there, there's only 11 miles to go. And, um, I definitely tried to push hard there. I was getting a little bit sleepy by that point. Right. I, the sun coming up does not seem to help me with the whole sleep deprivation thing. I was, I was a little bit tired, but it was okay. Right. Um, so we, we hiked up that last climb. It was pretty good. Um, didn't really see anybody else and hit that last descent pretty hard. And, and then, uh, at Mineral Creek, my wife, Jenny picked me up again and she paced me into the finish and cracked the whip pretty hard and made me like run up every little climb on the road. That girl. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she did. She, she, she had no mercy. <laughs> She's good. So you pretty much knew at KT you had, you know, you weren't going to be passed at that point, right? Well, you, you know, yeah, but I've, I'm always a little paranoid, actually. Um, so again, with that that Never Summer 100K I did last year, I led that race for like hours and hours and hours. I didn't see anybody. And I got a little bit jaded and maybe a little complacent towards the end. And um, a guy named Chris Shirk, he won Wasatch 100 a couple of years ago. Right. He um, 
he like came up behind me when there was like I don't know something like four or five miles to go. It was like the biggest oh crap racing moment of my life, ah. and I ended up having to like sprint with him the last two miles to the finish, and I finished ended up finishing just a couple minutes ahead of him. But like that was sort of a very stressful and like physically painful experience running that hard at the end, and so I definitely have this a little bit of a paranoia. Um, I was like, you know, I could super fast, like I could chase me down or what if somebody else is coming? There's a whole bunch of super talented runners behind me charging, I'm sure. Like, well, sure. And so, and so I was sort of like, you know, I kept looking over my shoulder every now and then, but it never, it never took the foot off the gas. That's for sure. That's um, cool. And didn't, didn't want to take anything for granted. And, um, I, I knew Joe Grant was pretty darn far ahead of me. I figured he was out of reach unless he like had something horrible happened to him um so it wasn't so much like trying to chase him but it was like all right let's just keep moving so no one can come and catch me right so what was it like coming down you know the, the street knowing that okay i've got fourth place locked up um i, I just basically had the race of my life so walk us through that a little bit oh man it was just awesome you know like the the whole the whole race was fun you know from start to finish and so, uh, you know, it just finished feeling really good. Just, you know, it just feels amazing to be like, yeah, I executed the race I wanted to. I had the fitness I wanted to. I had all the, the wonderful support of my family and friends around me. Like, I had my uh, my five-year-old Ella run with me to the finish as well, which was super fun. She paced me into, like, every aid station. She'd wait, like, hmm. 100 meters from the aid station and run with me into them. So That's um, she ran with me to the finish, too. And it just... It just felt amazing. Um, it was just fun. Um, you know, so, sometimes, you know, when you, like, look forward to something for so long and you build up in your mind and see this, like, amazing thing, like, you can often get let down. Right. Um, and and that was not hard rock for me. It, it kind of lived up to every expectation I had that's been building in my mind for years and years and years. Um, it, was, it was a dream come true. So I... Just hope I get to do it again someday. Yeah, that was <laughs> a good. lot of you guys are kind to me again. That was going to be another question. You know, are you going to put in for next year? Oh, definitely. Yeah. But you could be the true hard rocker where you got both directions, right? Yeah, that's brutal, right? You can't be a true hard rocker until you've done it twice. It's like, man, I don't know if I can win the lottery again. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I will get lucky. Put in. You, you'll get I, lucky. You'll I get hope so. For, for sure. All right, so let's take care of some details. Let's talk about your nutrition. So we talked a little bit. PBJ and Sharp Cheddar was your go-to for the first third. But what were you eating yeah. in between the aid stations? What kept you going? Uh, I mostly just ate a whole bunch of Honey Stinger waffles. Um, I particularly am fond of their, their gluten-free salted caramel waffle. I can just I can eat those for days. Uh, I don't ever get tired of them. They have a little bit of extra saltiness in them. Right. They're awesome. So I ate sort of an absurd amount of those. <laughs> and then I drink um, the Scratch exercise hydration mix all day as well. And that's another one of those things that has enough salt in it that I don't get burned out of it at all. Right. Um, I drink I drink Scratch the entire race. I'm not sure I ever had a drink of just plain water. Maybe it's warm. Right. I like, I like I how easy Scratch is to mix in your bottle because those little to-go packets are just so... Yep money so easy to carry with you or having a drop bag totally i used to do a lot of gels and um scratches killed that for me i find that i don't even need the gels i don't want them 
Right. Um, I'm just happy to drink scratch and eat waffles, and that's that is the vast majority of my calories um, during a race. Certainly in any training run, that's just pretty much all I take with me. Right. Um, yeah. Okay, so besides Man, the PB and J and the sharp cheddar, what else were you crushing at the aid stations? At some of the aid stations, I was having some mac and cheese. Ooh, um, yeah. Yeah, it was well, real duh. good. I mean, um, anything. I guess the the reoccurring theme here is you're going to have cheese. Yep, I'm going to have cheese. You're going to have sure. cheese. Um, so I did, yeah, I would uh, have mac and cheese with Mountain Dew. Oh, uh, really? Mountain Dew. Delicious. Yeah, and I like, I hate soda. Like, I generally, like, I never drink soda except for during 100 milers. That's like my time to binge on Mountain Dew. And um, it seems to just go down easy and i desperately kind of need that caffeine at night i i sometimes have a hard time with the whole sleep, sleepiness thing even if like my legs feel good i'll just want to lay down and take a nap right um, so that's always one of, one of my fears with 100 milers um and so yeah two, i guess it was at telluride and chapman i just sat for a minute or two and pounded as much mac and cheese as i could and chugged a bunch of mountain dew i even put mountain dew in one of my soft flasks oh my god it with me and and just drink Mountain Dew while running. That was pretty cool. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and that was, like, nutritionally, that was it. I'm not sure. Maybe I had, like, some, oh, no, I had some pretty awesome, um, like, honey mustard pretzels, too, in one of my drop bags. Oh. Gosh, those hit the spot. Nice. They're real good. A little salty. Um, yeah. Harvey. Just, like, that strong honey mustard flavor, too. They were great. Right on. Um, those were good. And I think that was it. I think that's, like, all I ate. So what were you eating, like, the, the days after the race? Did you, like, crave anything? Did you crush the, the buffet line? I crushed the buffet line. You know, the the day after the race, I actually, my appetite was, like, only pretty moderate. Like, I was eating, but, like, not, not a lot. But then, like, I guess, I got, sorry. So I guess, you know, I finished on Saturday morning. So, they're like, the rest of that day on Saturday, I didn't eat, like, a ton. I just kind of nibbled on stuff. Right. But then Sunday when there was the breakfast and they had all like the eggs and the sausage and the fruit and this like awesome salsa. I, I hit that hard. I ate like sort of a disgusting amount. <laughs> um but that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah. now tell us a little bit about the the gear that you used. Um so start off, what what sort of sh- uh shoes are you running in? Sure. Um I I all spring and summer, I've been using the Solomon S Subsense Ultra. Okay. Um, and those were working wonderfully for me. Uh, when Ty kicked my butt in June, my feet kind of swelled up quite, kind of a lot, and I was a little bit in between sizes, which was kind of like driving me nuts. I don't like a shoe being sloppy at all. Like I can't handle that. Right. And I'm trying to hit downhill hard. And so, like, the size I've been wearing all spring wasn't really working for me. So I was like, I'm, I kind of needed something else. And the Salma just came out with the uh, Sense Vibe, okay. which is very similar to the Sense Ultra, but it just, I don't know, it just fits slightly different, maybe even a touch more snug or something like that. So I, I ended up wearing the Sense Vibe up until year A, so mile 56 or whatever, and then going back to the Sense Ultra for the finish. And they were great. Um, my feet felt good. Other than I'm gonna lose most of my toenails. <laughs> my first two came off today. Yeah. Um, and and I think that was more just like when you have 33,000 feet of descent. That's just kind of what happened. Right. Um. Because uh, I don't typically have problems losing toenails, but 
I'm going to lose most of them. Um, did so you... I wear those on my feet, and, and I, would, I would wear them again. Um, they were great. So did your feet take a beating just because they were wet for most of the race? Yeah, the wet feet thing was really rough. Like, usually, like, my feet are, like, totally pruned out after, like, a 10-minute shower. Like, it's not good. Right. Um, so I was, like, thinking about, you know, 20 or 30 hours of wet feet. I was like, oh, my gosh, they're going to die. Um, so one, the one trick I did that was super-duper helpful that I read on some website was I took some um, Joshua Tree climbing cells, which is, like, this beeswax oil mixture that I guess climbers put on their hands. And... Uh, I like lathered my feet up with that so hard um, and the skin kind of absorbs it and helps like waterproof your skin a little bit and toughen them up. Okay. Um, right and that was kind of a, that was kind of a lifesaver, I think. Um, Cause I never had like my feet split open or anything like that it can happen when they're wet. So um, that stuff with some shoes that drained pretty good um, and my feet survived, you know, they weren't pretty when it was over, but um, it was okay. Right on. So th- all the pictures I saw, you had shorts on. Did you ever change it into some tights during the night, or was it warm enough for you to have shorts on? It was pretty a pretty warm night, actually. Like, I, for most of the night, I just wore, like, a T-shirt and a long sleeve shirt over it, and that was it. Wow. Um, when we'd get up higher, I'd put on some thin gloves. I think once I, like, put a buffer on my neck. Um, but, like, I remember coming down in Telluride and just with my long sleeve T-shirt on, just sweating. Um, I don't know what the temperature was, but it wasn't that cold. Um, right. I was expecting uh, much, much worse. And um, I mean, it was pretty comfortable running weather. I, guess. I mean, I would guess it was probably, you know, like in the 50s, um, which by my standards is pretty darn warm. <laughs> yeah, it is for sure. So were you running in um, some salmon uh like a race kit, like their shorts and their shirt. And did you have a Solomon pack on as well? Um, I was wearing some Solomon shir- shorts and I had uh, a couple art character shirts that I was wearing. Okay. And then, um, uh, my rain jacket was also from art character. And then my pack was a Solomon pack. Was it one of the uh, new ones? Like, yeah. One of the new ones. Those packs are great. Oh my goodness. They're so comfortable and they just like stretch to fit whatever you want. And I, put a little strap on it, like I attached a little stretchy strap to it so I could hook my trekking poles on there too, right. a few times. Um, so, yeah, my gear works real well, which is nice. Um, um, you know what they say, good gear is good. Um, so it's nice when you're out there that long. Yeah, it is. So looking back on the race, is there anything that you would have done, done differently? Uh, you know, I've thought about that a lot. Um, you know, stayed on trail a little bit better those couple times. I'm not sure how I could have avoided that, but certainly that'd be nice to um, not like miss any turns or anything like that. Um, it didn't cost me a lot of time, but still, um, you know, it's hard. Some of the climbs I went up, I felt like I was climbing very slow, right? Because um, I was trying really hard to keep my heart rate in check. I wasn't wearing like a heart rate monitor or anything like that, but I just, um, particularly when I'm at like high altitude. Like my legs will feel good, mm-hmm. and my lungs will feel good, and right. my heart will just be beating out of control. Right. Um, and that's not sustainable. Something bad will happen if I let that keep going. Right. And um, and so some of those climbs, like I look back and I'm like, man, could I have done those a little bit harder? I don't know. Like, you know, I 
I think I was able to run really well at the end because I was like patient on those climbs, but you know, um, makes me wonder if maybe I could have given a little bit more a little earlier. Hard to say though. Um, uh, I definitely felt like the high altitude affected me a little bit. I didn't have a lot of chance to get up high no. um, before hard rock, so I was trying to be sensitive to that. So otherwise, there's there's not a lot I'd change. I guess I would just run faster, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so if you get in next year, are you gonna get a hypoxia tent? No, I won't do that. <laughs> no. Hopefully there won't. No, no. Hopefully it just wouldn't be like. 400% of average snowfall here and I'd be in better shape. I don't know. <laughs> like, um, that's true. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm, that was sort of like worst case scenario snow year. And I don't like going out and my AT skis very much. I'm not a very good skier and I'm scared. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess that, maybe that'd be the, the one change I'd have in real preparation is I would just get up high a lot sooner. And, Oh, I had plans of like, do you mean like a like a fast packing trip too before Hard Rock and going and just like, you know, just hanging out at twelve thousand feet for a few days kind of thing? Right. Um, but I never got to do that because it was I would have had to do that skis. I, um, you still would right now one. almost too. And there's still quite a bit up there. It's it's more reasonable now. Like you can get around. I was just up high a little bit yesterday, and I was like, okay, I can work with this. Right. On. Um, uh, so yeah, that, I think that'd be my only, uh, adjustment, but that's just, of course, you know, that's just the way it goes. Right. Um, it's still a little more thin air in my lungs before the race. Hmm. So how have you recovered from the, from the race? Like really, really well. Yeah. Um, we planned it out, I think kind of wisely where we kind of wisely, we booked flights from Denver to Wisconsin the Monday after Hard Rock. That's where both Jenny and I grew up. Right. And so we drove to Denver, did a red-eye flight. That was not smart. Um, but they're so much cheaper, you know. So, like, got up at, like, 4.30 or whatever on Monday. That hurt. Um, and flew to Wisconsin. And I didn't even bring running shoes with me because I knew I would be too tempted. And so I hung out in Wisconsin for a week with family and, again, ate a lot of cheese and yeah. did that sort of thing and, and just kind of hung out and um, – you know, the soreness and stuff went away fast. I was able to sleep a lot. Uh, you know, I had grandparents there to watch kids while I slept in until 830. And, oh, my. Uh, yeah, I know. It was pretty serious. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was I was going and getting like nine hours of sleep at night at least. Um, and so the recovery was, it was pretty good. Um, I mean, I think I was more... My quads are more sore after Rufa than they were after Hard Rock, I think. Right. Um, so, not bad. So, I just started kind of easing into running this week. I just kind of went up a little bit higher yesterday for the first time. And, uh, you know, it's like got a little bit of an ache or whatever here or there. But it's um, all things that are manageable. Nothing's, nothing's scary. Legs feel good. Mind feels great. And excited to get back after it again. So Yeah. So, speaking of getting back after it, what's next for you? Uh, I was able to get a spot in Run Rabbit Run 100 um, in September, which is down in um, Steamboat Springs, Colorado. So that'll be uh, fun to go give that one a shot. Lots of fast runners there and that's, much much more runnable course. Yeah, I was going to say, that's so, a runner's course for sure. Yeah, that'll be, you know, that's, that's I think what I'll try to focus on here in the next couple of weeks because I did so much hiking uphill. Um, 
this spring and summer that, you know, um, my uphill running legs aren't maybe, maybe quite where I want them to be. And usually I consider myself a pretty strong uphill runner, but um, I think I need to kind of get back into that a little bit. I mean, that race still has like 20,000 feet of climbing or something like that. So it's not like it's flat. Um, no, but it's no hard rock. But no, it's no hard rock. That's for sure. And so it'll be a lot faster and hopefully I can make the switch there pretty good. Well, I think you got a good base from the last, you know, two or three years of some dedicated training, especially with Coach Ty helping you out. So that's oh, yeah. just an easy switch just to start focusing on that quality work because the base is there. Yeah. You know, like Coach Ty says, you re- respected the process and your mantra is yeah. patience, patience, patience. You got everything going for you. All you got to do is just, like you said, run a little faster now. Yeah, run a little faster and, you know, just execute another another good race day and, and have fun out there. So yeah, that's important. what I'll be trying to do, you know. You know, like, like you said, run rubber runs no hard rock in, in a, you know, a few different ways. Like hard rock was like a dream race for me. I've been looking for it forever. And um, those mountains around Steamboat are, are beautiful in their own way as well. Um, so I'll have to just go down there and, and make sure I appreciate where I am and, and get run with gratitude and, and have fun and, um, and then I think, uh, it'll be a good day then no matter what happens. And so will that be it for the year? Or are you going to shut it down after run rabbit run? That, that'll probably be it. I can't imagine what would come up unless I had some interesting opportunity or something. I don't know. I, I don't, I have nothing else planned except for hopefully I love doing a little bit of fall, like high altitude mountain running here. I love getting up in the winds in fall when there's like the bugs are gone. There's not much snow. Right. Um, so I would. I'll I'll do that before taking a little bit of break, probably in October or November or something like that. That so. is the best time to run is in the fall. Holy cow. Oh, it's so good. I just love fall in the mountains so much. It's um, the best. So also as often as what I do is I'll just I do fun runs like that until the big first mountain snowstorm hits and then I say, Okay, time for a break. Right. Um so I'll do that and then do some family camping and rest up and dream big for next year. Yeah. So speaking of next year, you got anything on the plate that you are going to do other than become a true hard rocker and do the other direction? Oh man. Yeah. I'd love to do a hard rock. Um, you know, I, I tend to get really big eyes and, um, there's, there's a lot of things that look really kind of fun to me. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, there's there's way too many things that look fun. I just saw Tushers, all the pictures from Tushers last weekend. That looks super fun. Um, but I don't know. I definitely would like to do some more I, I more hundred mile races. I really like the hundred hundred k hundred mile kind of distance. I sort of feel like that's that's my jam. Right. Um, and so looking at to see what my options are for there. It's you know it's uh it's tough traveling from Wyoming to lots of different places. Right. Expensive and it takes a lot of time. And so I have to kind of pick and choose pretty carefully. I can't just kind of go and race on a whim every weekend I want, you know, like maybe folks who live in uh, more populated areas, but, um, so we'll see. I have to kind of digest that a little bit, maybe get through the season first and see what, what comes up. That sounds good. Well, Gabe, thanks for uh, getting on the phone and talking with us today. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thanks for calling. And uh, again, your performance, our hard rock was it was super inspiring. You know, just because we know you personally, and 
you know, it was awesome to see that your consistency throughout the day and how it paid off. And I think that you've had a really good year so far. And I know that you're going to just get down to run, wrap, run and have, like you said, just another fun day in the mountains. Thanks so much. Thanks. It's all been super fun. Thanks for your support too. Yeah. Anytime. And, uh, again, folks, if you want, make sure that you follow along, um, Gabe's progress at run, wrap, run, cause they have a pretty good race tracker. And I think I run far will be there as well. So again, Gabe, thanks for, for calling in and we'll hopefully meet up and talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Joel. Thank you for listening to the trail manners podcast. We'd like to thank Gabe Joyce, the founder of trail running for joining us today. You can check out more of Gabe at the links in the show notes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Trail Manners, or swing by our website at trailmanners.com. There you can hit us on the store page, get some swag and ranks, or hit us up on the contact page. Let us know what you want to see, who you want to hear, or if you would like to be on the show. Until next time, this is Eric Manning with Joel Hatch reminding you, you don't get what you wish for, you get what you work for. Now go get it. <laughs>